When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Good evening and welcome to a Fight Night special with me, Gareth A. Davis. My old mucker, my co-host Adam Catterall, is out of the hot seat tonight. But don't worry, because we've got a bumper-packed show with exclusive interviews I've had with Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder and their teams. As we gear up to one of the biggest heavyweight clashes in many, many years on December the 1st here in Los Angeles. We're going to kick off things in the first hour with my exclusive chat with Tyson Fury, where I caught up with the lineal heavyweight champion of the world in Hollywood, more specifically in the wildcard boxing gym. I see Tyson Fury doing a workout, then some strength and conditioning, whilst the likes of Lawrence Sacoli pop in for a sparring session. And then, in comes Hall of Fame trainer Freddie Roach. I'm there with the Fury team for a couple of hours, before we head back up for lunch at the mansion he's staying in. It's then that I sit down with Tyson for an hour and a half, and then I join trainer Ben Davison on the balcony of the mansion for a further half-hour session. The first hour of the show, though, is all about the Gypsy King. And I began our chat by asking him to look back a year from where he is now to where he was at the same time in 2017. I'd given up on everything, to be honest. But what was your mind giving up as well? Yeah, I didn't want to live anymore. It's no secret, uh, Gareth. It's very uh, well documented. Mm. I didn't want to live anymore. I was suffering with depression and anxiety. and I was heavily drinking and doing bad things all the time. Stuff that I wasn't accustomed to, stuff that I'd never done before. And it was almost like I'd let myself down, let my family down, let all my family down, let everybody I knew or thought of down. But I did, at that time, I thought I was letting everybody down, but I didn't realise it was, it was suffering with mental health, which is a big, big uh, thing now that I'm supporting and, and uh, being an ambassador for. And I'm spreading a word on this heavily because it's a silent killer and more needs to be done to help people who's, who suffer inside rather than physically. Do you think you, do, do you look back on, you know, kind of being younger? I remember you telling me when you were 24 you ballooned up to 23 stone. The phrase you used was there was a day when you em- emptied a couple of vending machines, you told me, literally. Yes, that's correct, yes. You know, you sat on the floor with the kids eating sweets. That's right. And you went back and emptied another vending machine, yeah. if, I, if I remember rightly. Yeah, that's correct. And you went to 23 stone. And that was... I was actually even heavier than that. When yeah. Before I made the return with Peter... I was up at 24 stone 10. 
and then me and Peter worked from January until um, April 12th and I got down to 17 stone 7 when I fought uh, Martin Rogan in Belfast mm, mm. Um, that's right yeah. and I was in great shape on that so it was something that I'd always done on my career up and down all my life basically my life basically had a, a graph of this with the mind and I didn't even as a youngster even growing up yeah I well, how did it manifest itself? How did it show itself then? I used to have this feeling of being alone and being being left behind and like just a terrible inside feeling. I and like an anxiety? Yes, but I didn't understand anxiety. Up until two years ago, I didn't know what I was going through and I'd experienced it my whole life. Um, and also, being from a traveller race, if I can say this, if yeah. I, I don't know if this is true, but because you're expected to be hard men and not show your feelings and yeah. you know and talk about things maybe yeah. you put up with things you just put up with stuff yeah, you, you, you put up with things do you, you know do, what I mean? and you bottle it away yeah yeah and I'd done that all my life like I'd had so many so many things and hurdles that I just mounted up and mounted up and you know I probably I probably never spoke about this before to anybody but you know we had uh, miscarriages and in Paris she gave birth to a child at six months old what was dead and when she had, I was had to be there, and she delivered the baby, and we was in one side of the hospital, and my uncle Huey was dying in the other side of the hospital. Mm. At the same time, that was like 2014, the end of 2014, and I, I was only two weeks away from fighting Derek Chisora for a final eliminator for the world title. And you had two children at the time, so you thought it was going to be your third child. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, had, we had a, a child born that was dead, and then the other side of the hospital, my uncle Huey was in the hospital as well. Um, and then it was just a big and a week before the fight he passed away as we know and I suppose I didn't really think about it then I thought no I can't think about this now I'm not this isn't for me now I need to put it to the back of my mind because all this is going on um, so yeah and I didn't I didn't really think about it until I after the Klitschko fight and then it all came tumbling down all at once and all the problems that I'd bottled away, they just exploded. And I couldn't, I couldn't bottle it away no more because there's no more room for bottling. Mm-hmm. Do you know what, I've, I've been quite lucky in my career. Like, even in, after the, I think, when was it now? When did I fight Joey Abel? 2011, was, was it? No, 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 it was 2014, it was the comeback. Because after the David A situation... Oh, no, sorry, you've beat Klitschko in 2015, so it was yeah, 2014. Yeah. No, Hay was two, 2013, 13, 14. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 2013, I've been off over 12 months, mm, mm. Uh, maybe 14, 15 months. And again, I've ballooned up to a heavyweight, 24 stone or something. And we was out in the south of France training, me in Paris and Peter and the kids and everybody. And again, like three days before the fight, the fight was on February the 14th, it was a Valentine's Day fight. And uh, three days before the fight, we was co- due to come back. And Paris said, oh, I've got, um, I don't feel well, I've got pains in my stomach. Mm, mm. And uh, I said, oh, you'll be all right. And um, hours later, she said, oh, I still don't feel well. So we took her to the hospital. And um, she had like an appendicitis or something like that. And the doctor said, look, if you didn't bring her in like now, she wouldn't be dead by now. Wow. So she had to go for a surgery straight away straight down to theater right before a massive fight again come back so and then for the chisora second fight even though i had all that going on with the with paris and yui and all that 
I had a cold right up until the fight, like I had a bad flu. I was in bed in Peter's house. We stopped training maybe 10, 12 days before the fight. I was flued up. I was on antibiotics and I was in bed shaking. I was really ill. Where the immune system was low with the training. Um, and Peter said, look, let's just pull out of this fight. He's already pulled out. I said, look, I said, I've had so many pullouts in fights like Hay had pulled out twice back to back and then Chisora had pulled out for the first time round because it was supposed to be in the summer, not the winter. The Hay thing, by the way, did your head in because I remember at the time you were raging over it, weren't yeah. you? And yeah, and then I, I was mm. making, making a comeback and then I had the, um, the Abel fight and then I was supposed to fight again and Frank Warren said, oh, well, Chisora can't fight so we're not, we're not going to do a fight mm. now for mm. you. So that was another long stint of inactivity and then I was supposed to fight Chisora in maybe July or something that was the second fight and he got an injury a shoulder injury or a hand injury so they put it back to the end of um, November um, and again Peter said to me he said look let's just pull out the fight and get right when you're right I said look I said I've had three pull outs back to back with Hay and Chisora I said I'm not I want this fight I said, win, lose or draw. I said, I'm not pulling out of this fight. It's not possible for me to pull out. At that time, I'd, I'd spent everything money I had as well on all the training camps and whatever, wherever else. Um, um, so anyway, Peter said to me, he said, if it's all going wrong for you in there, he said, I'll just chuck my towel in. Yeah. So I said, no, no chucking the towel in. Whatever happens, will happen. And uh, this is my uh, lunch, by the way. And it's some um, baked potato, a huge baked potato, tuna and mayonnaise. It is, but to be honest with you, it's. Um, I don't think we've got any butter, so it'd be like eating um, sawdust. This is cooked by Tim Alcock. Mm. Alcock by name, Alcock by nature. <laughs> but... Where were we there? You were saying about how you, you said, no, I've got to take this fight. Yeah, and um, we took the fight, and it, right up into the fight, I wasn't, um, wasn't feeling great. We'd stopped sparring ages before the fight, and I went in there and I, I performed again. I had to pull it out of the bag and do what I do best. And managed to win, and that big, that gave me the mandatory status for Klitschko. And then, for the Klitschko fight itself, he pulled out before we were supposed to fight. He had a calf injury. A week before the fight, we'd done all the press things, everything, and um, he went back to his training camp and decided he had a calf injury, and put the fight back to end of November. And it was like a blessing in disguise because I was very ill for the fight. I was very, I wasn't, I uh, wasn't well. I was, I'd lost a lot of weight. Had to lose maybe six, six stone for the fight. And uh, it wasn't going great. So Klitschko pulling out was a blessing in disguise for me on the first time. And then. In, even in November, with all the weight loss, I was terrible. For the Klitschko fight, people won't know this, but I was performing very, very terrible in the gym. I couldn't complete three rounds of sparring. 
because I was totally energyless. I had nothing in the tank. I was totally empty, running and empty. And we, we all sat down in the gym and said, look, this is the punishment for losing six stone in weight again. Because it's every single time you have a fight, you've got to lose all this weight. It becomes a fat loss camp, not a training camp. And we pulled a sparring. And there's this video evidence of it on online places. Like I'm sparring two, three rounds in, I'm just getting punched to pieces by everybody. And my dad's saying, pull him out, he's going to get a cut. And I'm saying, no, carry on. This is how you feel. And it was, it was terrible. It was terrible. And I went into that fight maybe maybe 50% of what I, what I am, what I was. And I still managed to win a great champion. With, with. So that's two of the hardest fights supposed to be on paper. I went in feeling terrible and pulled up both times because I rose to the occasion. And then obviously I'd been off and I'd been out again this time and put on the seven and a half stone. And it just seemed to be that my whole career has been stop start stop start stop start never had a good run ever because every time there's been pull outs i've not been active nothing has ever went right in my career this is fight night special on talk sport with me gareth a davis and you're listening to my exclusive chat that I had with Tyson Fury when I caught up with the Gypsy King in Hollywood ahead of his clash with Deontay Wilder. In this next section of the show, Tyson talks to me about whether even winning the WBC title would bring him true happiness. Through all my troubles, I had to learn stuff. Because if you keep going through life experiences and not learning anything from it, you're a fool. So, what I've learned from all my troubles and all my weight gaining is that I enjoy training. I love to work out, I love to train. And when I don't train for a few days, I start getting depressed. Mm. And when a week, two weeks, I'm totally under. So if I train every day, which I love to do anyway, then I feel fantastic. I feel on top of the world every single day. Only because I train and I look in shape. Healthy in body, healthy in mind for you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I must, I must continue to train for the rest of my life, which I love to do anyway, and why wouldn't anyone want to if they can? Um, and that's about it, really. But as for boxing and all that, I think the older you get, the more things goes on in your life and things change. When I was a, a teenager, my most important thing in the world was being heavyweight champion of the world. And then I got married met Paris and then Paris become the most important thing in the world and then we had Venezuela and then the kids become more so I suppose if I was a single man on my own living in LA driving a sports car every day and made a million dollars and spent it all on women and clothes that it would still be about careers and all that but when you've been married for 10 years and you've been with that person and you've got four kids and one on the way then it's more, I don't think about myself anymore. It's not about me. It's about my kids, it's about a relationship, it's about, there's more things. You get responsibilities in life. And there's more things than going playing around boxing in a ring somewhere. You know, this is not a play sport. You can't play boxing. But boxing, it, boxing isn't my priority, if that makes sense. It's my job. So if it was either die or boxing, obviously I'd, I'd pick 
to uh, to survive. You know what I mean? Boxing won't come that close. But as a youngster, boxing was everything. If that makes sense. But when you when you get more responsibilities and more priorities in life, then your job is your job, no matter what your job is. It's your job of work. You got to make a living to provide. That's why I'm I'm a provider for my family. And and happiness will only come through to me through being contented in my surroundings and what I have and what what and what I'm doing at that time. Some of the the greatest heavyweights have been most successful in their thirties. Um, I mean, are you saying that? you might not want to go on in boxing for too long, um, that, that it, you might have set yourself some goals and if you achieve those goals we won't see you in competitively in boxing anymore? No, I, um, boxing brings me happiness. I'm happy while I'm boxing and fighting. So whatever happens, you know, happens. I set me got stall out to become the heavyweight champion of the world. Um, I did that. Uh, even the press conference before the fight, when we was in Germany, and I said to Vladimir, I said, I'm not interested in your belts. I'm not interested in your legacy. I'm not interested in going down in history. I'm not interested in defending 26 times. None of that means anything to me. And I still have that same opinion today. Mm. You know, I'm more suited as a challenger not a champion. I don't want to be a champion. Champion is nothing to me. I am the hungry challenger. And when I am a champion, it doesn't make me hungry anymore. I'm not hungry. Mm. Because you're the best. And when you're the best, it's like, is that it? At that time when I was the best, Joshua was a British champion or whatever. While there was nowhere to be, he wasn't even on the same planet. Because Klitschko was so in front of everybody else, and when I beat him, it's like, oh well, he's the best now. And it was like, oh, no one really to challenge me, or he was supposed to be the best man, and I beat him quite comfortable. So, when I'm expected to beat somebody like Sefer or Pianetta or Joe Bloggs, then it's like, all right, whatever, I'll do enough to win. I'm not interested. But when you've got someone like Wilder, who's a real challenge now, is that your battery gone? Yeah, it is on that, but um, I, I, I won't have time to... I've got I only got one card, but it obviously only does 20 minutes, but that's fine, I, I'm, I'll keep recording with the voice, thank you. Yeah. What was, yes, I was but saying, saying about... Um, Wilder. What, yeah, about Wilder, yeah. 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 I can record here. No, he's a different challenge. He's a challenge that if I make one mistake it's over is it as, is it as simple as that for yeah. you um, so, so I'm just going to get you to, to repeat that so you really feel that with, with Wilder one mistake yeah and it's over it could be over it could be over because he's, he's probably the biggest puncher in, in history one of them anyway I don't remember seeing anybody else with 39 out of 40 knockouts ever do you I'm a heavyweight historian, and I don't think, believe anybody had that record. Thirty-nine. Joe up. Lewis had a lot of knockouts. He did, but nowhere near the same. No, no. Klitsch got a lot of knockouts. Klitsch got fifty in the end, but nowhere near the same as this. No, 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 not not in not in percentage. No, no. Um, but on to on to Wilder though. I mean, you know, you guys, you know, you had a 
uh, a very lively three-day tour. I mean, people say, but yeah, but they respect each other as well. And, um, you know, he wanted to fight you. I believe he wanted to fight you, Tyson, because he wouldn't have wanted to fight you after two or three more fights that you'd have, my view. Um, He sees, I I, I think, I, I think he underrates you, in my view. And you know what I think? In all this, I think, when I was on top of my game, these boys wasn't talking. They never had nothing to say, not one of them. And well, I think they see, he's been off three years, he's been ballooning, he's been drinking, he's been playing around. He's had two easy comeback fights. If we're ever gonna beat him, this is the time to do it. Because mm, mm. we let him get rolling again with another four or five fights. Mm, mm. There's no chance of beating him, and they're trying to do it while uh, while they've got the best opportunity, which any sensible person would. And the thing is, that's what's what they're banking on. They're banking on me being not not the same fighter as I was years ago, but I'm not the same. I'm better. <laughs> A lot better now than when I fought Glitchcom. I've got more experience. I move better. I'm stronger. I'm more wiser cleverer they say when you're a challenger and you become a champion you improve 40 percent that 40 percent didn't just fall away from me i've got that now it's in the bank and i have improved so much as a fighter not just under ben davison but just that clitch go win improved me so much 12 rounds of him improved me so much and i was quite shocked to myself when i went back into the gym at 27 stone i'd never lost anything I was sparring with Daniel Dubois when I was 27 stone and Joe Joyce as well and Joe will even tell you how awkward I was and how I had the speed still at that weight and if Daniel wants to speak honestly then he can, he can tell you the same. I, do, I haven't lost anything, my movement's good, my speed's good. I, I read a lot of interviews where my legs, they say my legs are gone and I've got no legs underneath me but you saw me in that gym today, did them legs look gone to you? No. I was dancing around that ring like a gazelle. Mm. On ecstasy, maybe. <laughs> I was on my toes all 10, 12 rounds. Um, I don't feel gone. I feel good. I feel very good. Like you say, I'm 30. I'm in the thir- flirty 30s. And I'm um, ready. I'm ready for battle. But they say that heavyweights are... Mature late. Yeah. Yeah, my Uncle Newey now, God rest his soul, he always told me about this. He said, you won't mature till you're in your 30s, late 20s, 30s. And I think he's right. I'm really coming into my man strength now. Me being very tall um, takes longer. Longer to mature and longer to get your act together. But the way I look at it, Gareth, is the way I've always looked at boxing. is very, very simple like this. If I'm any good, I'll win. And if I'm no good, then I'll lose. And I think Shane made a very good point a couple of days ago. He said, what's the difference in winning and losing? I said, go on. He said, how a man comes back and what he does when he, when he does lose or win a fight. See me, I have never tasted defeat. I don't know what it's like to lose. And it'll be a test of character, should I get knocked out.
This is Fight Night Special on TalkSport with me, Gareth A. Davis. And this is my exclusive chat with the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, as I caught up with him in the States ahead of his heavyweight championship title fight with Deontay Wilder on the 1st of December. In this section, I begin by asking Tyson if he thinks he lost something after his glorious victory over Vladimir Klitschko on November the 29th, 2015 in Dusseldorf. I can give an honest insight on what was going on. Brutally honest, as always. I went to Germany, done the unthinkable, and I was on top of the mountain. Like you say, nobody disputed that I was the number one on the planet. There was no dispute from anybody. It was like the fire had died in my in me soul, if that makes sense. There was no desire anymore. I could have continued to box on for money. But I always said to myself, Gary, the moment I don't want to box anymore, money will never dictate to me what what I'm going to continue to do. Because I wouldn't let money destroy what I built my whole life to do. Where does that come from? That that where does that that feeling about it, knowing that come from then in you, that that you won't be dictated to by money or if because you're yeah, because I look at the world and everything's controlled by money, apart from me. Because in that Klitschko rematch, I was guaranteed a lot of money, excess of 10 million. Mm. I worked all my life to get to that stage so I could make some money. And when I had the winning lottery ticket in my hand, I didn't want it. Because I knew I couldn't go into that Klitschko fight with no desire and no will to win. And I wasn't about to get laid up the canvas by Klitschko for money, because that's what would have happened. Because I had no, I was suffering with depression and I had no will to win. I didn't even want to fight anymore. But I, I felt it coming on because before the Klitschko fight, before we even left to Germany to finalize the camp, Shane was there, I said to me, dad and me two brothers, Shane and John, and I said, look, I said, win, lose or draw this fight with Klitschko. I said, it's going to be my last fight. I won't fight again afterwards. And I said, what are you talking about? Why? You've worked all your life for this, to get into this position, from being a little child, going to that gym all your life, sacrificing everything for this moment. And if you win, you don't want to continue. I said, yeah, that's correct. I said, because for this fight, I'm, I want it. I want to win. But for I know I'm not going to have any desire afterwards. And it was right, I didn't have any desire. If, if Peter will talk sensible and honestly, which he always does, then I'm sure he can, he can um, tell, tell you exactly what happened. You couldn't, you weren't, it wasn't able to motivate you back again, yeah? No, there was no motivation. Um, what happens to you when you've got no motivation then? Do you, do you literally find it hard to get out of bed in the morning? Is it I don't want to be there. Yeah. It's like I was, we went away. Peter knew that I was struggling at this time and he knew what I was going through with my own battles. And it was like, I need to get him away from it. So he decided that we was gonna to go to Holland and train because we'd had good times in Holland years previously. In the woods, yeah. In the woods. Yeah, we've been we there. always had great times there. I remember coming there when a fight was, was that when the hay fight was called off and we all came out there? We all came out and spent Two yeah, days there, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that? Was that? Yeah, that was a fine. Yeah. So he, he he said, right, let's go over here and 
I think it was trying to get back what we had a few years before the the desire and the will and I think he, he saw that I was lacking in all um, categories mm. so he wanted to motivate me by going back over there so we could reunite and get that flame burning again mm. and we set up camp in Holland again um, this time I was heavyweight champion of the world and I was there and I felt so down so down on a daily basis but I gave myself one more day every day I want, there wasn't one day that went past I was in Holland for that Klitschko 2 rematch training camp mm. where I didn't go to bed at night and say I'm going to go home in the morning because I've had enough I this isn't for me anymore I physically knew and mentally knew I couldn't do it anymore the fight was gone there was zero fight left in me anymore I didn't, I didn't want to do it I said another day, another day, another day, another day, another day. I was torturing myself for more days. Peter could see in my eyes that I didn't have it anymore. Didn't have that desire. I just didn't want to be there. And in the sparring, I'd stand there and let big heavyweights tee off on me, not defend myself. Mm. We had Robert Alenius over and he can testify to this, Robert. And I was just standing there and letting Robert hit me, bang in the face with big right hands and left hooks. He was going, what's going on? So then I'd get angry and come back, bam, 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 bam. But I'd just be standing there, I'd be headbutting the ring corners and stuff. Just gone, completely. I just didn't want to fight. I just didn't want to be there. It's dangerous, that place, isn't it? Yeah, to, to I wanted, I wanted them to knock me out. I wanted to be knocked out on the floor. So Peter said, look at this. He said, well, what are we going to do here? He said, he doesn't, doesn't want to fight no more. He doesn't want to do it. And no matter how much money was on the table, I couldn't motivate myself. Mm. They had big posters of me all up and down the gym, like big banners on that in, in Holland. We had everything, the best gym you could ever get. We had an office full of all proteins and everything. We had everything, the best of everything. Couldn't get no better training camp. Our friend Barry, he, um, he built us a massive gym over there. and Weight section, boxing section, big bags, people, everything. The best of the best we had. Mm. But still, I couldn't get motivated. We had the best sparring partners, everything. What, why, why do you think you're seemingly even more popular in America than Deontay Wilder is? I think Americans, they love, love the comeback story as good as anybody. Um, and I think my story has captured the imagination of the public. Because it's almost like a fairy tale story. I went from rags to riches, back to rags again, to Suffolk with depression, contemplated suicide. And, lost everything I ever had and, and worked hard for to then turn my life back around again and get back to the pinnacle of the sport within a year. It's a compelling story, wouldn't you agree? I do agree, yeah, and I think... But I also think <clears throat> um, Americans are... They like the Brits, naturally, and I think they like characters. I think and so. And I think, you know, you might be seen as the eccentric... eccentric Gypsy King as well because yeah. you like to play you're fun um, and I think I think in the last year I think the public seeing a different Tyson Fury I, I think they're seeing the real me yeah before it was an act I had an act to play because I wanted to be world champion mm. and I needed to get people interested in, in seeing me was the thing with Deontay a bit of an act over the three days I, I, I mean I don't want to press it was an act because you're promoting a fight no no it wasn't an act were you trying to get under his skin? I think we were both trying to do our best to do what we could do to each other, really. Yeah. There was times there when I thought it was going, we were going to have a fight, really. Like, people say, oh, it's acting, whatever, but 
When it's close to the line. Face to face with yeah. two unbeaten champions, both got pride, both got a point to prove. You're fighters at the end of the day. We're fighters. <laughs> We're getting in each other's face, calling each other names. It cuts one little shot, one push too many, and it's off. Mm. So it was heated. It was a heated three days, and I was exhausted afterwards. I'll be very honest, and I'm sure Deontay will say the same. Were you sick of the sight of him? I wasn't now sick of the sight of him. I was just physically and emotionally mm. exhausted because I was doing hundreds of interviews. I was going from one place to the other, filming for promos and whatever. Then we had to put on the press conferences and do all the talking and all that. Was it private jets dream. and everything? or um, Not really. Because no. you went London, New York, LA. Yeah. Um, we went London, New York, LA, just you, normal you didn't go. You didn't go economy class though, did you? You couldn't fit you in an economy no, class. No, I did seat. have a good seat that, that led down and whatever. But that is exhausting doing those press tours, yeah. People think it's easy. Mm. Oh, it's the best thing about boxing, all the media and all that sort of stuff. But it is exhausting. It's very exhausting. And I was, when I got to Big Bear, I was exhausted for a few days. It took me a few days to recover all the travelling as well. 11 hours and 7 hours and 5 hours plane journeys and stuff. It was, it was exhausting. I was glad it was all over. And then recently I had to come back down again a few weeks ago and do it all again, public workouts. I watched, and, I, I watched all of it, yeah. And all-day interviews. Where you, where you threw one of the American journos out. And, yeah. Um, very nicely. Um, tell me what you feel when you're close to Deontay Wilder then. I mean, do you respect him? I respect him as a fighter and as a man. Yes, of course I do. If I didn't, that would be in the wrong game. Do you need a dislike for him to be able to hit him and to knock him out or no, to outbox him? Or? No, I don't need a dislike for anybody. It's, like I said before, it's my job, it's what I do, mm. what I get paid to do. Mm. He seems to be an angry man, though. He's, or maybe he isn't with you privately, I don't know. He does seem to be an angry man, like he's got a, well, he's got a point to prove, hasn't he? Obviously, to everybody's eyes, it's like, oh, Tyson Fury's a lineal champion. Deontay Wilder's a belt, belt holder. Mm. And it's like, he wants what I have, he wants what I have. And that's to be considered as the best. But is it, doesn't it amaze you though, that I've done my own straw poll. I asked airline stewards, people sitting next to me on the airplanes, people in taxis, the Uber drivers, do you know who Deontay Wilder is? I haven't found someone yet who knows who Deontay Wilder is. Exactly. So I mean, don't get me wrong, I was down in the wildcard gym with you. If I'd asked anyone in there, they would have known. Of course, if I ask any boxing fan, they know. But the mainstream do not know who he is. Does that surprise you, though, in America? It doesn't surprise me, because it was the same with me, really. When I was just a boxer, it's almost like boxing fans and sports fans all know who I am. But you have to be a crossover star to the general public. Now, I don't know how many people you could ask, a thousand people in England, anywhere in the United Kingdom. Have you ever heard of someone called Tyson Fury? And I don't think there'd be many people who would say, no, we haven't heard of that guy. Say, what does he do? Because it wasn't just sports. I hit the headlines for the wrong reasons, the right reasons. So many different things. The, the mental health side of things has just gone through the roof. Popularity, like more people know me in America than know Deontay Wilder. I was in Big Bear. And a guy came over to me, oh man, that kid's go fight. Great fight, great fight. And he said, oh, what are you doing over here? Are you training for a fight? I said, yeah, training for a fight, December the 1st. Who you got? Who you got? I said, I'm fighting Deontay Wilder. Who? Deontay Wilder. He said, who's that guy? I said, he's the American World Heavyweight Champion. He said, no way. Didn't know him. Is he Deontay Wilder who then, really? Deontay Wilder who? So I believe Deontay's thinking, 
he needs to defeat me to give himself some gratification mm-hmm. and what better way to do it than catch me when he thinks I'm on my lowest and thinks I'm doing it for the wrong reasons but I'll tell you the truth and be very honest as always if I didn't think I could beat Deontay Wilder I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be here for the money because like I said uh, many many times Gareth you know I live in a nice house and I drive you can call me Russell it's okay you were about to call me Russell yeah I was (laughs) Um, you live in a nice house you you, you know you've got a beautiful family yes but if we had to move out of the house into a trailer somewhere and not even have a car not have nothing I would prefer to do that than to go into this fight knowing I can't win for money Mm. Because the houses, the cars, the watches, the clothes, whatever, the lifestyle, it all will leave us one day. We can't take it with us. Nothing. Nothing we do on this planet will ever be taken off it. It has to stay here. You know, I've lost loved ones in the past, I've lost things and things that close to me and people. And I'll, we will continue to keep losing people who we care about, friends and family. And it's a journey of life. But while I'm alive on this earth, I wouldn't sacrifice what I've worked all my life for, for money. I think I showed that with the Klitschko rematch. I wasn't going to go in there and get beat for money. Although it was a large amount of money. I've probably got more money for that than I am for Deontay Wilder now. So, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. And I know Shane, Shane's not a millionaire, but whatever he's got, he would give so I could win this fight. My dad the same, all my family, everyone. And that's what it means to us. It means more to us than money. We would give everything we've got and we would all be skinned on the 2nd of December if I could be guaranteed a win. That's what boxing means to our family. Mm, mm. Not money. You could give me 100 million to all of us to lose and I wouldn't do it. I'd rather try and win for whatever I'm getting on the night. Good evening, you're listening to a Fight Night special on TalkSport with me, Gareth A. Davis. And in the final section of my exclusive chat with Tyson Too Fast Fury, Tyson begins by talking to me about how unimportant all the fame and money in the world means to people once they've got it. It is, it's a special, special thing. Not many people can, can get to grips with what I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, everyone needs money to survive and whatever, and everyone wants a better life, and for the kids, they all want better lives, but when you get that better life, was it what you wanted? Was it what you expected? Was it what it was cracked up to be? Because what I found were fame and glory and riches and, and um, everything else comes with it is a large emptiness, void. And all the materialistic things in the world can't fill it. And for me, as a personal person, the only thing that can ever fill that void is is God. But that's just me. Do do you... um, You don't like Eddie Hearn, seemingly, in comments. Um, Obviously, you may deal with him next year. I'm sure you want to, I, mean, I don't know about, there's a rematch clause with Deontay Wilder, yeah? Yeah, so you beat Deontay Wilder, you've got to fight him a second time. But at some point, 
presumably you want to fight Anthony Joshua? To be honest, I'm not really looking at the future. Right. Because like I said before, nothing's cast in stone. Mm, mm. And if I felt like I felt after Klitschko, then I won't be returning mm, for mm, a while, mm. you know. And it, it possibly could happen. But... But would it be for different reasons this time? I mean, can... I don't know if you can control depression, but... Or uh, whether it was depression or not, but or, or desire maybe, because it could be depression, it could be desire, it could be just, you just don't want to do it anymore, that you've reached another Everest. As we talked about, you know, when we saw saw you in Morecambe, you you hinted at it that day when when you had your ring magazine belt. Yeah. That you weren't. There was a hollow feeling about going back. There was. But do you think you could deal with it better this time? I think I've learned now to manage my depression and that yeah, stuff yeah. because it never goes away. Anybody who suffers with mental health problems, it'll never ever leave you. It's always there in the background somewhere, but you've got to learn to manage it. And I believe I can manage it better now. Um, and as for do I like Eddie Hearn or not, I think he's a decent bloke, to be honest. Um, he's funny, charismatic, young, um, good-looking, tall, everything that a good promoter should be. British, got good dress sense. Um, I don't I don't dislike Eddie. I think he's a, I think he's a nice fella. Like, when I've been in his company and that, we always have a laugh and chat, whatever. And I understand it's just business. Look, he says you're hard to negotiate with. I am not born yesterday. I'm not green either. You know, I know my worth. And if anybody in life knows the worth, then never sell yourself short of your worth. Aren't you, aren't, isn't a fight, though, like you say, we might want it, the public might want it, the boxing fans, the sports fans want it. The biggest fights that Britain would ever have would be you and Anthony Joshua of course. in the next 12 to 15 months. But it seems to me that they never want to, they never talk about fighting Tyson Fury. No, they don't. You're right, they don't. Exactly. Mm, mm. It seems to me that it's, this is a one-way deal. It's like, styles, isn't it? It's yeah. Styles, it's it? like, I want the fight because I don't want to deprive the public. Whatever happens in between me and Dante Wilder has got nothing to do with me and Anthony Joshua. That's, the Joshua and me fight should happen whether or not. Yeah, yeah I agree. But what did you see in the Povetkin fight? I thought he'd done really well, to be fair. Mm. I, thought he, I thought AJ handled it terrifically. Because Povetkin is no, nobody's fool. Povetkin's a dangerous customer. And as you've seen with Duapas and mm. Takam and everybody else who we fought, Mike Perez even, um, Marius Vak, all these guys, he handled them very good. And the only person to ever beat him was Vladimir. Vladimir beat many, many, many men. So there's no shame in losing to Vladimir Klitschko. He didn't have an answer for Klitschko, did he? He just didn't. And, and, and he Klitschko was probably a very strong Klitschko at the time as well, yeah, with that very, you know, just the jab and the grab. And when they're hurt, maybe the right hand, but nothing more than that. Exactly, and it seemed to work. And the leaning for on and all of the. But I think. With, with Joshua's performance over Perfectkin, he'd done really well and Perfectkin hit him with some good punches and that. And mm -hmm. I even believe he shook him up a few times and um, I thought he did fantastic to win and to, to carry on the, um, what he's doing for boxing. But what did you see there that you liked for you? See, for me to fight, for, for me and him, it's totally different. It's like, I don't, I, I, I can, I want to say this, but I don't want people to think that and being nasty towards him. Because he has the awesome power and the strength and the body and the mass. 
and everything else that goes with that, that type but he doesn't have my boxing ability and anybody who knows boxing will tell you admit the truth and unless he catches me with a big punch he can't win really he ain't going to outpoint me and I'm a very slick customer so it is a very awkward fight for him even the worst Tyson Fury that's ever been will give him a hard night because his styles make fights not because I'm so great at what I do it's just because I'd be awkward for someone like his style as we saw with Styles making fights, just, to, just an example is Joe Frazier, George Foreman. Foreman sparked him easily. And then Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier. He had three hard fights. And then look what Ali did to Foreman. So Styles always make fights. You can even put Ken Norton in that, in that mix mm, as well. Mm. Some people have hard fights with some people and have easy fights with others. And then some people you can beat easy, probably knock out the money, beat you. And that's just Styles. What, what, how, how does the style between, not this particularly relevant, not after a big answer, have you thought about Joshua and Wilder? Yes, I have. And without being biased towards the British guy, I, I think that Wilder's probably all wrong again for Joshua. All wrong. Because he's very tall and rangy, and we know he's got dynamite in his hands. And Joshua, if you throw five punches, you probably hit him with four because he, he blocks with his hands. And that's his, he's got the classic style of defence where he catches, counter, classic defence of his hands up like that there, walking forward, taking it on the arms and gloves. But with someone like Wilder, you can't afford to stand there and take them punches because no matter how strong you are, he'll get them shots through. So you against Wilder is for the number one position in the world? Me against Wilder is... Wilder... Is going to have the awkwardest night on the earth ever. And whoever wins that mean Wilder will then, I, I believe, will then go and fight Joshua and be victorious. Not because Joshua's terrible or or whatever, but I just think me and Wilder are all wrong for Joshua. But do you think? But but if you were, you know, but your view is that this is for the number one position in the division right now. For sure. Yeah. You know, you've got the lineal champion, WBC champion. Two of the most awkward, avoided, dangerous fighters on earth. Let's not forget, we don't want to go into politics in boxing and all that, but there was $80 million on the table for Joshua to fight uh, Deontay Wilder. And that wasn't taken. It was 50. 50 and 30 for a rematch. Oh, right. Yeah, right, so right 80. Was it? yeah, yeah. So I don't, want, I don't know what people are making in the finances. It's none of my business. Mm. But... If you can turn 80 million down for two fights, then obviously that's either two things. You're either making more than 80 million fighting um, uh, whoever, Pavetkin and um, Takam and Parker, them type of opponents, or you think you'd rather have three of them opponents than one Deontay Wilder mm. because he's more dangerous. And I think it's the latter. I think it's the Wilder's dangerous and it could end the career, the Golden Goose, the money conveyor belt. I don't think it's so much Joshua because as a fighter we all believe we can take on armies and anybody but it's the management and that's why he's got great management I could never say Eddie Earns a bad manager or a bad promoter because look what he's done with Joshua look at the job he's done with the fighters he's got um, he's done a fantastic job of managing him and promoting him 
And I don't does believe I don't believe anybody else could have done the same job in the world. Anybody. Does it bug you that he's got the three belts that you held? No, because well, I not at all. Not at all because I I didn't defend them belts and I didn't I wasn't physically or mentally ready to to do anything about it. Like I said, I got a box for money. Of course, I got it done. Went in there and got knocked out. But I'm not about that. Do you think the the, the because the mainstream don't understand technically a lot of them boxing and you know it's it's it takes a lot to understand it do you think like you say he's been very well managed and very well promoted but do you feel that and I, you may have even said before that the british public public is slightly conned thinking how good he is as a boxer no i think i think he's awesome as a fan and as a boxing enthusiast i think he's a very awesome specimen of a man mm. Have you met him? Yes, many times. Do you get on? Um, I don't say we don't get on. Mm, but you're rivals, really, aren't you? You're well, the we're in the same the division. And no, you're right, but you're yeah, rivals, though. Yeah, aren't we you? don't want to get too friendly, you know what I mean? No, exactly, yeah. But I think, I think he's awesome. I think like, what he's done for boxing, what he's done for his, for his, for his family and, and everything else is awesome. Very awesome. Mm. He's changed, changed his styles. And I admire that so much, like Deontay Wilder, myself. Anybody who's successful at what they do means they put in a lot of sacrifice and they've worked the nuts off to be there. Mm. And anybody like that deserves so much respect and um, they deserve ten times more than they ever get. You know how hard he works. Though. I know how hard boxing is and I know how hard that they all work to be where they are. So they need applauding for it. On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight Night with Gareth A. Davis on Talk Sport. Good evening, you're listening to a Fight Night special with me, Gareth A. Davis. And don't forget, myself and Adam Catterall will be bringing you all the latest news and interviews from the Fight Week here in LA as Talk Sport gears up to Wilder versus Fury on December the 1st. If you missed any of my exclusive chats, with Tyson Fury in the first hour. Don't worry, it'll all be available as a podcast on iTunes. Still to come, you'll hear my exclusive chat with Deontay Wilder as I caught up with him in Alabama. But in this next part of the show, I sat down with Tyson's young trainer, Ben Davison, the man that many say got Tyson back into the ring. I started by asking Ben how much of a task he found it to get the Gypsy King back into a pair of gloves and maybe more importantly, happy again. It was a big task when he was 27 and a half stone. People thought it was mission impossible, but um, we're here today. But he seemed very, very sharp down in the gym with you today, that there's a, the boxing mind is ticking over all the time, isn't it? Yeah, you know, with, uh, against a puncher like Deontay Wilder, you've got to be smart and you've got to know what to do in certain scenarios. And it needs to be that drilled into you that it's you're unconsciously competent you do it without thinking because you're very quick as well so uh, we just repeat 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 work on scenarios and um, wouldn't have the game plan uh, subconsciously built in you've clearly watched a lot of his performances yeah yeah over and over mm -hmm. and you said to me when we when we chatted in Manchester Completely different game plan. I've got a completely different way of what I want Tyson Fury to do against Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder is the, the most dangerous fighter in world boxing. So, 
you know, it needs to be a thorough job, and uh, that's what we're doing here. Can Tyson stop him? 100%. But people are doubt it, and actions speak louder than words, but... Um, People will, uh, people will see. You know, it's uh, like I say, action speak out of There's no point in me keep sitting there saying Tyson can punch, Tyson can punch, because people will see, and find out. Is there pressure on you, Ben, yeah, um, no, in this fight? No, because my job is to um, bring the best out in Tyson. To uh, you know, I just focused on on what I need to do, and that is my job to get the best out of Tyson. And uh, I think I've done that so far pretty well. To come from where he's come from to now, and mm. um, the occasion itself will bring an, another uh, another few gears out of Tyson, and you know it's the fighters to do the fighting that get in the ring. Um, I don't need to worry about what Tom, Dick, and Harry have to say on the street corner. Um, I just need to focus on what my how my fighters feel. They believe in my work, and uh, we're there. We're, we're have there been tough times for you at all through any of the camps or through in the build-up to this? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, people don't know, really know the extent of, of uh, you know, where Tyson was at the very beginning. He was in a bad place and, uh, you know... So none, none of that... That where he said I had no will anymore. I had nothing left in me. I was not almost not interested in living. Um, it was that bad for him. It was uh, it was very bad, you know. We, we Sometimes I used to look across and think, I don't know if this job can be done. I genuinely did think that, you know, as did many other people. He put his trust in me, and I had to put my trust in him. He put his trust in me in a sense of when we come together everybody thought why has he hired him um, and I had to put my trust in him that I had to leave the gym that I had at home and, and the fighters that I was working with there and uh, make a commitment to Tyson we made a commitment to each other and um, we've ended up here you know but it's been like I say it's been a tough road a long road but uh, we're here now and um, it's been a good journey Would you? were you originally going to stay in Big Bear all the way to fight week? We went over to Big Bear, but I hadn't uh, I hadn't made made a complete decision. Obviously, when we got there, learnt a bit more about the altitude, and, and all through it, I was speaking to experts in that field and that. And um, just with all the data that I got and all the information that come back to me, it was better to have a uh, three to four week. Well, we had a four week period over there, and um, to come down and reap the benefits of that period down at sea level to uh, to coast him into peaking for the fight. And are you happy with the environment you got here? Yeah, of course. You know, it's a, it's a nice area. Obviously, it's a nice house, but there is six or seven men here that all want their own space. So it had to be um, had to be a, a large a property, giant mansion, a large <laughs> property. But um, you know, all that doesn't mean anything. It's just about getting in there on the night and and the work, and the work that's put on in the gym and Tyson's mental state and getting the job done that needs doing. Uh, you know, whether we was driving around in a, in a broken down minibus or each living in a on sofa beds, you know, it, it doesn't matter. In fact, I was on a sofa bed because <laughs> <laughs> there were, you know, ahead of the 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 Klitschko fight, they they were living in caravans up in, you know, in, in uh, I can't remember where it was now. Was it in Lancashire? Liverpool. In Liverpool, yeah. 
Um, a bed's a bed, you know. Uh, we've got a kitchen for Tyson to have his food done. The best of food is all cooked fresh for him. Um, you know, it's the way I, I, you know, I like things to be done. It's not about the house. He needs a good kitchen for quality food to be cooked there and then for him. Fresh food every time. Um, you know, we've got a group here that everybody's got a role to play in what they do. Um, so we needed a property that could that could hold that many people and had a good kitchen. Um, big personalities, everyone. Big personalities, everyone. Everybody will have like to have their own space at their own times. I certainly do, and. Um, it's, it's been a it's been a very good training camp. It's been a, like I say, everybody plays their role. And and presumably, it's quite nice having the wild card gym to go down to. Freddie Roach is down there, you know, trainer of the year so many times, Hall of Fame trainer. Um, no doubt you'll chat to him over a few weeks as well. Of course, we um, we went and had a chat with Freddie um, when we was down here in LA for the press conference. And he was very welcoming, very nice fella. Anyway, I got talking to him and his uh, his assistant Marie, and they was very accommodating and helping us out and asked us if we needed anything. Booked us a slot in 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 the private part of the gym underneath. And um, as we went up to Big Bear and was planning on coming back down, with all the data that was uh, that was gathered, I spoke to Marie and her and Freddie have been absolutely perfect you know any times we wanted in the gym any slots bang that's your slot helped us find this place put us in touch with a place for the sparring partners um, any sparring need this need that they've helped us out with everything so they're really really good people and Roach says to me today that he believes Freddie Roach says to me today that he believes that Tyson will outbox Deontay Wilder of course you know listen this people were uh, bargaining on Deontay Wilder's power but he can box as well Deontay can box he's 6 foot 7 83 inch reach um, he's 15 and a half stone he's very quick um, he's got a good good, uh, very very good jab obviously a very very good right hand um, he caught he would be a problem for anybody but Tyson's uh, more of a problem for anybody is he a freakish heavyweight, Tyson? The pair of them are. Both of them are freaks mm. of nature. Absolute mm. freaks of nature. But they've both got different physical attributes from being a freak of nature. Tyson's heavier than Deontay, but still moves, has better coordination, better balance than, than Deontay. Deontay's six foot seven, um, tall, very, very quick, and very powerful. Tyson's got unbelievable reflexes. You know, they've both got different uh, attributes of being freaks of nature that they are. What would it mean to you to have led Tyson back, got him back to a great place? Arguably, he says he's in the best shape he's ever been. Um, your strength and conditioning coach is saying that he, obviously he prepared... Tyson for the Klitschko fight he said he's in better shape now than he was for that fight what would it mean to you to have been a major part to have played a major part in overseeing Tyson regain the world title I've already achieved what my initial goal was after meeting Tyson you know my after meeting Tyson learning what type of person he was my initial goal was to get the man back happy again you know because I, I could see where he was I got to know him and, 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 and we, uh, we gelled very well I like him a lot as a person, you know, and um, although we're trainer and fighter, he's, he's a friend to, my, to me as well, so 
I said to myself, you know, I just wanted to make sure that, that man was back happy again, and we've achieved that. So everything else is is the cherry on top. Um, obviously, it'll be a fantastic and amazing achievement. I'll be over the moon, but I'll be over the moon for Tyson because he's the one that's done it, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, it would just it'd be the cherry on top. What um, what have you done? Have you drawn any expertise from outside your group as well? Of course, I'm always I'm always open to learning and discussing and talking with. You can't be a master of all. My job is the boxing job. That's what I know. Um, Christian's here for the strength and conditioning. We have a nutritionist, David Stash. Um, S-T-A-S-H. S-T-A-C-H-E. Um, but I'm always discussing with... Uh, I've got a few people in, in, in those fields that I'm always discussing with. <laughs> always discussing with and, and gathering more data. And... <laughs> and the fun the fun is always here as well isn't it of course it's a big part of it's a big part of it you know negative energy around Tyson's no good mm. we're all uh, we all like to have a laugh but we know we know where to draw the line as well which is important mm. what when you um look at Tyson you said you've already achieved what you set out to achieve but can you project forward and you know, there's a rematch clause with Deontay Wilde. Obviously, depending on what happens in the fight, how the fight goes, um, presumably there's a second fight with Deontay Wilder bearing on Tyson winning. Um, would you relish that big fight in the UK with Anthony Joshua and Tyson as well? Because it would be so big, so incredible, so massive. Yeah, of course it would be a massive fight, a good fight. But um, Anthony Joshua is not on our radar at the minute. You know, obviously... He's one that one of the you know there's three of them at the top here and he's the other one left out. But um, you know our sole focus is on Deontay Wilder and uh, nobody else or nothing else matters until after mm. December the first. So th there's no focus on that at all. No, no focus at all. Um, he's uh, he's made his uh, he's made his date of April. Um, you know he's obviously not going to box the winner of this, which they've made it clear. Eddie's made it clear. Um, so I suppose he'll probably box the winner of White Chisora or something like that, which is actually on after this fight, even though Eddie said he needs to know before the fight. But, uh, you know, either way, um, he's on his path, we're on our path, um, and nothing else matters other than Deontay Wilder on December the 1st. You're listening to a Fight Night special on TalkSport with me, Gareth O. Davis. And in this final part of my exclusive chat with Tyson Fury's trainer, Ben Davison, I caught up with both of them, of course, in Hollywood. I started by asking him if he was surprised by Tyson Fury's popularity over in America. It's not his popularity, but it's the, it's the comparison to the others, you know? Mm. Like, mm. when I was on the press tour, the attention that Tyson would get from the public compared to Deontay Wilder, it was crazy. Did you go on that whole tour then? Yeah, I was on the tour with him. What did you make of it all? It was good, it was good fun. Um, to be honest, Deontay played right into Tyson's hands because however Tyson, Tyson was the one who dictated how the press conferences went. Mm. If Tyson was calm, cool and laid back, Deontay was calm, cool and laid back. If Tyson was fired up and rowdy, he was fired up and rowdy and that's what the fight's going to be like. Tyson will be the one to set the tempo, dictate how the fight goes, what distance he's boxed at. Um, how is how how the fights fought, and that'll be uh, that'll be the game changer. But like I say, Tyson's um, 
when we was getting out the cars or heading over to, to anywhere, the, all of the public, all the attention would be on Tyson. That's interesting that you were eagle-eyed about the press tour as well and trying to draw something from it, you know, that, that might actually be a strategy for the fight. Well, is it, 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 that personalities, is, I yeah, suppose, and, that, and yeah, and that is what boxing is: is who can put their footmark on the fight. You know, is is who can um, who can dictate. That mm. is pretty much what boxing is. If if somebody's a short range fighter and I'm a long range fighter, and I can keep the fight at long range, the ball's in my court. If he can keep it at short range, the ball's in his court. It's who can stamp their authority and their game plan. And uh, Tyson definitely done that with the uh, press conferences. What's the plan now? Obviously, fight week beginning whatever it is, twenty seventh of uh, November is taken up with you know there'll be no sparring at that point. It'll all be done. So you've got three weeks now before that begins. What do we? What do we? I think it's three weeks, isn't it? Before that begins, it's four weeks in total. Yeah, but three weeks before fight week. So what? 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 What happens now in those next three weeks then? In the next three weeks, we'll be brushing up on a few things. Mm. Um, he's very very fit already, so it's just maintaining him. Um, pushing him on the odd few days here and there, um, sharpening up on a few bits. Um, you know, obviously we're in the, we're in the thick of it right now, so it's mm -hmm. hard work. Um, but I'm I'm very keen on uh, not overtraining. Mm -hmm. I think it's the worst thing that a fighter can do. Um, so day by day, I'll assess him, see how he feels, see how he looks, know when to push him, know when to pull him. Um, and sometimes I'll make adjustments in the morning. I might have a session planned out, thinking in my head, right, this is what I want to do. And I've, I know Tyson now where if he wakes up in the morning and walks down the stairs, now first first time I look at him, I can tell how he's feeling almost, you know. So um, I, I like to take it day by day. Obviously, I have an idea of, of how I want to go about things that day. But um, you have to take it day by day, see how the fighter feels. Um, see how he's recovered from the sessions the day before or the week before or the last three or four days and um, it's just about fine tuning now Tyson showed me a picture of himself at his very biggest and he is unrecognisable isn't he mm. unrecognisable Ben I've got some good pictures yeah, yeah I'm sure <laughs> but unrecognisable it's quite incredible really look it's like a different person isn't it 100% and you know that's uh that's what it was all about, you know. Tyson didn't come back to boxing for for anything other than he needed it to get his life back on track, and we've achieved that. So we're uh, we've won. If he wants to have a break, if he wins a belt and wants to have a break, and or, or beats Deontay Wilder twice and wants to have a break, will you be on his back keeping him training? Because clearly, we talked about this earlier that his weight is an indication of maybe how depression hits or how he's feeling mentally and that when he's not feeling good he puts more weight on we were talking to Shane his brother Shane's a happy big man do you know what I mean Tyson's clearly not happy big man you know yeah but I don't think I'd need to be on him Mm, you know, do you think he's learnt that lesson kind of 100%. thing or he's learnt that about himself the wisdom if you like yeah and to be honest after the fights I, I, I want him to have a bit of a rest and that mm. and he's straight back in the gym because he's virtually been in camp for a year hasn't he yeah pretty much and even mm. after the fight he had a day or two days mm. and he was in the gym sending me pictures of him in the gym and you know he uh, he enjoys it it's, uh, it's almost meditation for him you know mm, mm. 
and uh, routine structure. If you have a look, actually, one of the first social media posts I put up working with Tyson was I put the the quotation routine and consistency, and I put a key next to it because I knew that was what Tyson was missing from his uh, from his life at that time: routine and consistency. Mm. And if you have if you speak to anybody, the most happiest they are. Is when they in their life is when they have a routine, structure, and consistency. And they're regulated. Hundred percent. Yeah. What? I asked Shane about this, and he said that he thinks there's a lot of pressure on Tyson from the family because they are travellers. Boxing is a part of their history and their culture. Tyson says, "I'm not under any pressure at all." I'm sure it changes towards the fight. He will feel those nerves. He has to feel them. With no nerves, you can't, you, you know, your, your reflexes, your adrenaline, all those things don't work. Have you got a sense, being around the family all this time, just how important and how much it means to the family to have had 10 generations of bare-knuckle boxers? And, you know, John's told me about the history before of the family. Have you got a sense of how important it is to the family? 100% and to be honest with you it, it it means as much to me to get this win for Tyson as it does for, for the family because obviously I, I've got to know him and grown close to him so mm. I know how much it means to him and uh, you know I want that win for them just as much as I do for Tyson you know and uh, but like I already said you know I'm uh, the fact that the fact sometimes they'll say things and and you know they didn't think that Tyson had come back from where he was and the fact that they've got got him back just as a person mentally and physically you know like I said we've already won we've already achieved yeah well we've spoken about this mission we've touched impossible. on it before yeah that you that, like you say mission impossible that you've almost helped to save someone's life someone that's loved by their family someone that's loved by their children who loves their children who loves their wife I know Paris and Tyson together not intimately but I've seen them together many times I can tell what they're like they're tight do you know what I mean they're properly tight they're a modern couple aren't they you know yeah 100% and I mean you've lived in the house of course you of know of course you know. yeah of course and uh, like I said like I say we, we've uh, we've already won we've already achieved Mission Impossible and um he should be very, very proud of himself, Tyson. Tyson's already achieved so much getting his, his life back on track and getting back in a happy place, which has resulted in the family being a lot happier and in a better place as well. But not only that, I've taken over his social media for leading up to this fight. And it has shocked me that, th I mean, thousands of people every day message Tyson to say, you know, he's not only got his own life back on track. If you could, if you could see it with your own eyes, he's put probably thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives back on track mm -hmm. by being a spokesperson for mental health. By put his own journey, obviously, is out there for the public to see. He's probably saved thousands of people's lives that he's never ever met. And that's that's. Uh, it clearly means a lot to him as well, that doesn't it? It's given him a. Uh, uh, almost like a deeper purpose, a higher purpose to it all. Yeah. Of course, you know, and and he doesn't go out and say this. I never even knew that he got these thousands of messages until I was on his social media. And Why have him. you taken over his social media then? Just, uh, 
you know, it's it's a, it's a less less of a distraction for Tyson again, isn't it? You know, he's, mm. he's only got to focus on what he's got to focus on on his job at hand. But you know, that was that was a shock to me because, and I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm talking about other top sports people as well. Always, you know, or they'll ask Tyson a question, or they'll say thank you so much. You, you know, how many people's lives he's saved? We'll never really know. Now and for a long time coming, this will be. Um, just from his own journey so you know he should be a very very proud person and he deserves all the credit that he's getting and the backing that he's getting and the support that he's getting now so you're gonna t so is he not gonna go on on his own social media at all all the way to the fight now then he doesn't go on it he went, it to, went on it once to send uh, his cousin Huey a, a message after the fight and that was it so you're responsible for him attacking the bear yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, brilliant, thanks very much. Thank you. You ready? Let's go! Good evening, this is a Fight Night special with me, Gareth A. Davis. And don't forget, myself and Adam Catterall will be keeping you right up to date with all the latest news and interviews from the Fight Week here in LA as Talk Sport gears up to Wilder vs Fury next Saturday. If you missed any of my exclusive chats with Tyson Fury and his trainer Ben Davison earlier on in the show, you'll be able to catch them all on the TalkSport website, or you can download the Fight Night podcast from iTunes. But next, I caught up with WBC champion of the world Deontay Wilder earlier this week in Alabama, so for the next half an hour, you'll hear how the bronze bomber is preparing for Tyson Fury and how he loves the sport of boxing. In the first section of my exclusive chat, I began by asking Deontay how he's feeling ahead of his title defense in LA a week today. I feel fantastic, you know. Uh, uh, all honesty, I feel amazing. This is my moment, this is my time, and you know, it's a blessing to be able to, to present, you know, this come out party for me. And I say what I mean by come out party because it's been, you know, when you're in America, it's so hard to do so many things, you know, it's, it's, it's been, especially when it pertains to sports, because we have so many sports, you know, here in America that we have to compete against. You know, it's just like my last fight, I had to compete against three different sports, you know, and um, and then still have mine. So, you know, this is my opportunity where it's just all about me. It's all about this fight. It's all about me and Tyson Fury. And everyone is going to be there, you know, so I can't wait. You know, this is amazing. This is a big, big opportunity for me, and uh, I'm ready for the opportunity. I, th I hope your um, night doesn't go as badly as my cameras are mm. right now, falling all over the place. Um, look, I've been with Tyson Fury recently, and he says you're trying to get him early. <laughs> uh, you're getting him before he gets too much in the groove after his time away. You know, it's it's always exciting to, to hear what other fighters are, are thinking, you know. Yeah, all of it is an assumption at the end of the day, but my mind is clear. I know what I'm capable of doing, and I know what I'm going to do on that night of that fight. So I'm not really you know, necessarily worried about what he's going to do or what he's thinking I'm going to do. I want, you know, when people think certain things of me and it's not correct, it makes me smile. You know, it's made me say they are not in the place that they need to be, you know. I'm very unpredictable, you know. And with that being said, you know, I, you know, I don't have no game plan in whether I'm going to go get them out early. You know, in the first round, I don't have a game plan where 
I'm gonna sit back, sit back in the first round early. You just never know what's gonna happen when it comes to me. I'm gonna feel the energy. You're that instinctive, yeah. Most definitely, mm-hmm. most definitely. I'm gonna feel the energy when I, we get in there, and my and the, the the energy that I feel in the ring is gonna allow me to apply whatever pressure that I need in the ring. You know, whether it's pressure or patience, or whether it's both, that will be applied in the ring. And then without the after that. And that's when you're gonna see some magic happen. We don't know when it's coming, but when it's come, bam, baby. Good night. Tyson Fury also said he respects you as a man and a fighter. And I think hearing you talk about him as well, I think it's mutual if I'm right in saying. Yeah, that respect is definitely mutual between the two, you know. We're both fighters. We're both trying to make a living. You're both crazy as well. Let's be honest. Let's be honest about it. I've I've admitted it many times. A lot of fighters are crazy. You know, we're crazy to be able to have to do this. You got to be some type of crazy. But we just take crazy to a next level. You know, I like to have, I'm a crazy fun. You know what I mean? He crazy, crazy, insane, crazy type of person. (laughs) You know, he like to have fun as well too. And I could see you both as friends, genuinely. Yeah, for sure. You just, you, I mean, it's nothing personal at the end of the day. It's so just, exactly what he said. It, this is just two men who are used to fighting. Yeah. Boxing's part of our lives. Yeah. And he said he feels no animosity towards you. I'm the same Even way. though you've done four press conferences, really. Because yeah. you had the one in the ring in New York. Do you yeah. remember that one? Correct. When his waistcoat came off. <laughs> and you had the three around the world where he said there were a few moments on that tour. And I know Tyson well and we're friends, yeah. Mm. He said there were a couple of moments on that tour where he thought it genuinely was going to kick off. Yeah. Did you have that feeling? Oh, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. Every bit of it. This is the beauty of this sport, though. It'll bring. It's. I tell people all the time, it's an emotional sport. It'll bring the worst and the best out of you, pertaining to what situation that you're in. But at the end of the day, as long as you know how to control and have discipline. See, in this game, in this fight, you know, business, you must have a balance. You know, you can't have, you can't, you can't go mayhem in every situation, everywhere you go. You must have a balance. You know, it's just like with me. People only get the perspective of me is what I do in the ring, the interviews and stuff. They are never know who I'm truly, who I truly am on a day-to-day basis. They'll never know who Deontay Wilder really is. You know what I mean? Uh, what I really do in life. I'm a loving person. You know, I'm a beautiful soul, spirit, body, body and mind. You know what I mean? I love doing for people. I love to, to. I'm a type of person that I can be happy for others, even if they're doing better than me. I can be genuinely happy for that person because I'm happy in my life. I'm ultimately happy in my life and what's going on in my life and the people that surround my life, and that allows me to be happy for others. You know, so you know, with boxing, it just comes this thing that you either you got or you don't, and if you don't have, you better find a way to get it. You know, and I'm talking about that mentality of being able to switch from a person that you are into a, a, to a, to a, a, a ultimate killer. You got to. It's a brutal sport. It's a gladiator sport. And I think people look at this sport like other sports and how guys behave or, you know, handle themselves and say, well, this is different. This is, this is a lonely sport, you know. No, we don't have teammates and stuff. You know, we can go and get some water and just sit around and wait or whatever, get tag team out. No, we got to do what we got to do on spot. And 
And with that being said, it, it makes you build a certain mentality that you, you may have, you, you, you must have, and then when you enter in the ring, you're able to just express yourself, release that energy. You know, I, I just release energy when I'm in the ring. I like to express myself, and I can express myself in the most brutal fashion possible and get paid doing it. Do you, do you feel nerves? Do you feel fear ever? Never, mm. never. The only, the only thing boxing does for me at that moment in time, like the week of the fight, is the waiting. When you're so prepared and ready for something, you're ready to go, you're ready to do it. You know, no more training, uh, no more messing with your mind, uh, preparing it, visualizing certain things because it'll mess with your mind. And we are crazy. Like I keep saying, we, you just think about it. You have to train for this, this, this one man for months and months at a time. You think about this guy for months and months at a time. You walk into a gym and you look at a bag, you thinking about that fighter. You hit a speed bag, you thinking about that, part, that fighter. If you hitting the mitts or doing anything you know, in the ring, you're thinking about that fighter. You eat, breathe, and sleep this sport. So that would mess with your mind when you have something that you think about over and over and over. You're contemplating on it over and over and over again. You're packing this information in your head over and over again. And on that special night of the fight, you're ready. Your mind has been programmed to think a certain way. You've programmed it to do certain things. <laughs> so when it's time to release that, you don't know what's going to be said. You don't know what's going to be done. Mm. But you know something's going to happen. There's a great quote I was reading today from Carol Joyce Oates, one of the big writers on, 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 on fight sports and mm. very intellectual, and she's saying how boxing isn't a sport. Mm. Um, it's people being able to suspend their will, their instinct to survive. Because most people's instinct to survive when they're attacked yeah. is to run away, Correct. to go away, mm. to avoid it. Mm. But you've suspended that. Mm. You've nullified your instinct to survive. You're just gonna face fire. And I find that, that's what's so fascinating about the sport. Mm. It's not a sport. It's a mirror on life in a weird way. Yeah. That's what that's what this quote was, you know. I mean, you can see it in you know varieties of ways. I can understand every word, you know, and how she, you know, could put that together in her mind and say this is not a sport. So I can I can see it because it's a lot of things. It's not it's it's, it's a lot of things that it is and that it isn't. You know what I mean? You know, I always say this is not a game. You know, say this boxing game. We'll easily say it, whatever. But it ain't nothing about this is games, mm -hmm. in it. You know, you're risking your life. And I don't know one person that risked their life and thought it was a game. You know what I mean? Do you kiss your kids before you go and you say, "I kiss my I'm coming kid. back." I'm I kiss coming. my kid where I'm going or staying. <laughs> you know, that's just automatic with me. I love kids. I kiss my kids like six or seven times a day, mm -hmm. and they all individuals because I love them. You know, I feel like I really feel like I'm the mother goose. I feel like I have my children. If they ever event something that will allow a man to to be able to carry a child, I want to be signed up for it. I really do. I would mm. literally uh, get my woman pregnant just so I can carry. Well, well, if I got her pregnant, she would carry. But 
we would, I would tell her, like, babe, let's have a baby. I'm going to carry it. Wow. Of course, a woman, I'm like, okay, all right, let's yeah. do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I want to experience that, you know. I would love to experience to see what a woman go through to bring a life into this world. That's why women are the most powerful things on this earth. You know, when you have someone that bleeds for seven days, come on, man. That's nice to hear that come from on. the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. It's a yeah. very... It's a very gentle, loving thing to say for a man who's going to be a beast in the yeah. next time. But mate, that's great to see that side of you, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I wish people could see it often, you know, but due to the fact I don't care what people think of me, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't really let it get to me because, like I said, my world is, is amazing. My life is amazing, you know, and I don't let certain things get to me. I let people assume about me and let them think what they want, you know, it's, it's their right. Too, long as I'm civilized, long as I can, I can um, determine between the two of things, or I can balance it out. Then I'm fine. We know you've got a lot of fans in the UK. You do. You even had a lot of fans in the UK when you came to beat up Audley Harrison all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little grin there from that, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a long time ago. But April. even then, I remember you know being around you then. People were very interested in you. Mm. Let's get back to beast mode, okay? Mm. Um, can you tell the UK fans what you'll do to Tyson Fury when the first bell tolls? When the, when, when the, when the, the first bell ring, you know, my whole mentality is going to be adjusting, trying to figure them out. You know, I, I've never faced um, a guy of his style, you know, that or possesses his, his type of style. So uh, I think the first part, maybe even the second, Round it's all gonna be about adjusting, you know who can adjust to who styles the fastest, and then after that you're gonna see things starting to work out. You're gonna see things starting to add up, and whoever can solve the the, the problem the faster is gonna be the one that come out on top. And I think that's gonna yeah I don't think I know that's gonna be me. I'm gonna knock him out. You know I'm gonna knock him out. You visualize that over and over oh, again. I'm gonna fall him 75 times now. You know. Over and over again, I've seen reaction. I've seen different knockouts. I allow my mind to see different ways. I don't just see it always one way, one way, because certain things may happen in the in the fight that I couldn't visualize, or nor could I see coming. Because you know, in life we get blindsided, and just like in a fight, you can get blindsided, and you could see certain things. So my mind is so open that I allow it to see it in you know varieties of ways not just one way, you know, and each way I've saw, I've saw myself knocking him out in each particular way. So it's going to be amazing, you know, to, to really go in there and to feel this energy to adjust to him and see what happens. You're listening to Fight Night on Talk Sport with me, Gareth A. Davis, and in this final part of my exclusive chat with Deontay Wilder, I wanted to begin by asking him how good it is for the heavyweight division that Tyson Fury made a return to the ring so quickly. You know, I'm definitely happy, happy to see him back, you know, in action. And um, I'm, I'm definitely happy to uh, be able to, to finally fight him, you know. Um, he came a long way. We all have come a long way. We all have stories, you know, that we can tell, you know. But just to see the man in the ring 
to be able to take care of his family, do what he loved to do. Lose 130 pounds. Lose 130 pounds. That's some you know feat, I mean? isn't oh, it? Man, he told me that crazy. was a victory in itself. Yeah, yeah. He said he feels like he's won already <laughs> by man, doing hey, that, you know? It's going to be a minute. I mean, win, lose, or draw, he's going to be a winner. You know, just... Same weight uh, as a baby giraffe, that is. Uh, really? Is. Same weight as a baby giraffe. Boy. Uh, Same weight as Melania Trump. <laughs> Melania Trump in weight. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's good to see him. But, you know, it's always good to see fighters, you know, because we, when people look up on us, they don't give us our full credit or they look at us as monsters, mm -hmm. you know. Everywhere you go, that's why, you know, it's, it's hard to get endorsements and stuff if you ain't at a certain level where you just everybody's talking about you and you're just trying to come up with people will overlook fighters because of what we do you know everybody always thinking that we're uptight we got some on our uh, over our heads or you know we got this animosity built in us or anger we want to fight all the time that's not the case that's just because our occupation you know consists of us you know, harming another man or, or, or whatever you want to call it or, or displaying our art and skill, you know, the sweet science, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, outside of that, that we're not human beings, that we can't handle ourselves in certain situations, you know. Most part are some of the coolest guys you'll ever meet in life. Of course, most have egos and stuff like that. Because of course you're gonna have an ego because you can do something that others can't do in this world. Period. When you're a fighter and you can do it, people would love to know how to fight. Everyone want to know how to defend themselves because when you know how to do it, you speak different, you you talk different, you know, you walk different because you have confidence. And when you're a confident person, things are different. You know, you don't care about certain things. You don't care about what certain people may say or what you have or you don't have. You're confident in yourself. That one day, whatever you don't have, you you'll get it one day if you keep working hard at it. But also, I think you lose your insecurity and you uh, you, you you focus your your life force, don't you? Your life force is very focused. One can feel it right now. How mm. focused you are! Mm. You know, even listening, your listening focus is amazing. You, if you knock Tyson Fury out, you say you when, knock him out. When I knock, when you knock out. Tyson Fury out on December the first. What do you want for yourself for 2019? Pertaining to what? In your career. You say I, what what I do you want, want into that? What's your goal for 2019 then? 2019, my goal is... Um, you know we, what we all want. Yeah, for sure. My goal is what I've always, you know, I've always set to do, you know, is to unify. After obtaining my first title, world title, my main goal was to unify. One champion, one face, one name. I won't stop until I get that. I want that. I want to be able to say I was the undefeated, the undisputed, the unified heavyweight champion of the world. No man can say that at this moment in time. You know, all the belts is different places. You know what I'm saying? We have two champions now, you know, and no one could say it yet because, you know, the situation that it is, you know. Um, Do you want to be in Wembley in April? I'll, I'll go anywhere. If everything's right, the, the, you know, the things is done right, you know, I'm a world traveler. I'm 40 and over 39 KOs. I, I've traveled to so many different countries. I've fought so many different types of fighters, you know, all over the world. It's like at this point in time in my career, like I can't be, 
I can't I, I can't be surprised by nothing, mm-hmm. you know, because I've fought certain styles, and if it's not particularly the same style, somebody has similar some similarities that comes with that style, and it allows me to be able to adjust in certain different regions. So it allows you to uh, to adjust faster because if you if you're not seen at all, you've seen parts of it, and you know how to put pick, uh, piece the the um, puzzle together. You will have visualized it. What do you do to Anthony Joshua if it's Wembley, if it's April next year? Now, why would I already give you a pre-examination of what I would do to dissect him? You know, of course he'll listen to this, or his fans, and it'll get back to him, and then now they know what the plan is, you know. With Joshua, with his style and how you do it, you know, he's an easy person to adjust to because he don't, he's not like me in fear. He's not as mobile, he's not as flexible, not as agile, you know. He have some- He's not as unpredictable. You know? Is he? You know, he have some flexibility about himself like that, but it's levels to it, you know what I mean? He works out, I know once because he works out, seems like every day, you know, um, but certain certain things, I mean, you know, I don't want to, you know, whatever people do, they do what they own, you know, but in this sport, you definitely need certain things to survive, especially when you fight with different fighters because styles make fights, you know, and we've known that, we've seen that throughout time, and you know, in my opinion, you know, he have a style that could be easily adjusted to, you know, that's why I'm so confident, that's why Fury's so confident, that's why Ortiz is so confident that, you know, we can beat him, you know, but one day it will, it, it will happen, and we'll see, you know, anybody can say it whatever they want to say until the night of the fight and when that fight time happens. I know what frustrations you've gone through because I've, I've you know, watched everything Deontay you know, over the last six months and, and um, without spending too much time on it, do you feel that they're trying to bide time before they face you? Then? Of course. They've been doing that. I mean, look at all his team has been saying, even Barry Hearns. You know, mm. They've already said enough. I don't see, you know, if you if you if you're a fan of him, then you know, hey, of course you're not gonna want to see it because you want to continue to feel like you're at the top. You know what I mean? Okay, you know, which people can feel whatever they want. You know, if they want to live through something, then hey, who am I to say not? But <sighs> you know, I think it'll 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 it'll, it'll happen when it, when it's time. You know, we all know they don't want this fight, or it would have been happening. It would have been at that point blank. It's plain and simple with that, you know. It's just like with me and Fury. This fight didn't happen because our managers got together, our promoters. It's got this fight happened because of me and him mm-hmm. having a discussion, talking mm-hmm. about it, being serious with each other. And when you have a when you have a, a strong backing as a champion, they're gonna do what you want, not what they want, or not what they feel is best for you. They can say what's best for you, but at the end of the day, you have to find them say so. And if you ain't going along with it, it's not going to happen. That's just point blank. It's simple. It's simple. It don't get no simpler than that. If Joshua wants to fight me, the fight would have been happening. You know, if you don't want to fight, it's not going to happen. It don't get no simpler than that. I don't know how much more I can say. A very quick question, and I've had for, a, for a very quick answer. Um, Derek Chisora and Dillian White fight on December the 22nd. Mm. You may face one or other of them at some point in the future as well. Who wins that for Watch you? Watch Chisora, baby. 
I'm going with Warrior Sora. I feel Chisora beat him in the first fight. A lot of people felt that way. A lot of people. And I, I feel that he gonna do it this time as well too. You know, I don't really look at Dylan White as as no killer in the sport. I look at him as a crybaby of the sport, someone that just complains and and and, and I don't wanna go either, you know, I keep it like that. My grandma always said you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. I agree and, with your grandma. <laughs> it's true though. Why? Yeah, why? Unless you got a reason. Exactly, reason, exactly. You know? I just keep yeah. it like that, you know. I don't I don't look at him as one of the, 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 the superior fighters of the divisions, you know, just somebody that yaps, 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 you know. Um but uh, I definitely have Tresora um swollen that mouth up and um giving him another loss on his career. Um one of the things that surprises so many of us, Deontay, is that you don't get more resonance and, um, in the mainstream in America and that you aren't treated more as a star. Does, yeah. does, is that a strange question to ask or do you ever think about it? Does it bother you? It don't bother me at all. I always tell people I'm happy in my life. I got things that people don't have, mm. that can't possess. You know, no matter how rich you are, you still go through life. You still go through emotions but look at the basketball players look at you could have been a basketball yeah. look at the american football players yeah. do you do you, do you but clearly you don't get enough recognition for yeah. what you've achieved but it's all good it's all good you know this is my time now you know we allow we you know with me everybody can have have their day you know let them enjoy it you know but when it's my time be as happy for me as mm. i was happy for you you know because what i do I know they can't do. I'm one of a kind. They one of many. You know what I'm saying? And with that being said, that allows me to feel the way I feel. Although it took me a long time to just really get it because it's America, it's so diverse, different people, different cultures, mm -hmm. different of everything's here. You know, if it was one kind here, then it'd be easy. If everybody was one culture, it's easy. You know what I'm saying? But because it's so mi it's a mixture or uh, multiples of countries, multi it's just so diverse. Like I said, it's gonna be like that. So there you have it. Tyson Fury thinks he's already beaten Deontay Wilder before they even step into the ring. His trainer, Ben Davison, says the Gypsy King has already won by managing to even get his gloves back on. And Deontay Wilder knows he's going to be in for a true boxing match next Saturday here in LA. Don't forget, if you missed any of tonight's special, you can download the Fight Night podcast on iTunes. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.